0: Today's going to be a little bit different because um, I just believe that the the Lord speaks to us and we had this message with this series planned out and and so a lot of times we kind of go through that series and and go step by step through that as the elders have prayed about like let's head into that series but at the same time uh, as elders we want to be open to uh, the Holy Spirit saying "All right, pause Um, let's deal with something else. Uh, and and that's what we kind of sense this morning. I, I my walk here this morning, I was kind of feeling that, and every time I feel that, I'm just kind of like, but I already have an outline done, <laughs> like like this is done already. Can I do this one next week? And like and, and I started feeling like you know the Lord leading me like, no, let's let's do this now. And uh, and so then I tried to get out of it even more by going to a few other people uh, like Christian, who's our other elder here, going to the prayer team, uh, and just saying like you know I'm feeling like. I'm supposed to change it and change it to this, um, but I'm not sure if it's just me or whatever. And I was kind of hoping that they'd be able to come back and be like, yeah, just stick with me. And they were all like, no, I think we should shift. Um, and and so uh, here we are. And so please bear with me. I actually ended up being able to hand, hand the verses over. Uh, to our tech team, and so they're working on getting those in. So hopefully, we'll get them up on the screen. But again, feel free with your, your phone or your Bible to, to go to these different things. Uh, the first one's going to be out of Hebrews chapter 12, um, and we're actually going to return to that after we head somewhere else a little bit. So uh, Hebrews 12 will be in 2 Corinthians a bit, and Isaiah 43. Um, but just to kind of premise this again, and especially uh, if you weren't here last week or if you're a visitor that hasn't been here before, um, just to let you know that uh, we've been going through a series on, on unity of the church and, and what it means to be a church. But last week, um, Christian and I really felt uh, compelled by the Holy Spirit to, to, to present before the congregation something that we had been sensing um, kind of in the spirit. But then not only just sensing it, actually like seeing it f- physically happen um, in life. Uh, and that's really this this sense of um, God stirring things up. And I think the illustration I kind of had was like you're, you're at like a peaceful lake and there's no wind and so it's like glass and it's like clear water and you got the beautiful sand underneath but like as soon as you step into that sand everything kind of gets kicked up and is, is kind of cloudy uh, and, and things like that. And that's because it all kind of settled and, and was kind of at that state. And what I feel like what's happening is in, in our lives, um, both in, as individuals, as a church, and and actually as of this week, we're seeing it happen in areas outside of the church, where things that we have allowed to settle in our life um, that we become maybe complacent on, or we've allowed to become routines, or um, maybe it's hobbies or habits or just things that we've allowed to, not intentionally perhaps, but, but allowed to just kind of like settle in uh, that the Lord's maybe been calling us to deal with and we're like, oh, I'll deal with that later. You know, maybe it's a certain idol in our life. Maybe it's the way that we hold on to trusting things other than the Lord. It could be any number of things, but we just kind of allow, because we don't like conflict, we don't like messing with things, we just kind of let it settle. And and what we've really seen the Holy Spirit do um, is basically um, jump into the pool and start kicking things up. I don't know how else to do that, but we've seen so many things happen. And, And it's not just in one particular area. We, we see it, this stirring happening up um, with, with idols in people's lives, and, and that can be a really painful process to be confronted with those things. We've been stirring it up, uh, seeing it stirred up with people who have been convicted by the Lord that uh, they should add a discipline. Or, or to do something, to add something positive to their life, and they've just been holding off on it for a while. We've, we've seen this in so many different things uh, that I can't put my finger on it and say, well, God's working on marriages, or God's working on discipline, or God's, I, I can't say that. All I can say is, He's kicking things up in people's lives and saying it's time to deal with these things. Um, and, and so I, I preface that because... Um, I want you to be in a, uh, a heartfelt examination mode of what that might be in your life. Because we all have the tendencies to let those things settle, to put them on a back burner, um, or, or even to sometimes actively resist the thing that God has, we, we know He's been calling us to do or to get rid of. Um, and so we're going to go through some verses that have to, to do with these things. The first one, uh, again, is in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, verses 1 and 2. We're going to start here and then uh, just as another preface how today's going to be different than usual. Uh, again, Christian and I have been seeing this happening within the church and outside the church. Um, and, and even to the point, I'm going to share this now I think, even to the point where just yesterday somebody who's not part of the church uh, has been having stuff stirred up within their life And Christian and I were able to, to, well, we were blessed by the Holy Spirit uh, to be able to be there for that, um, and in talking with them, uh, them coming to a point of of praying and trusting the Lord for salvation. And so, good things are happening, Um, and and the more that we see it happening. Um, the more that we feel we need to bring this before you as a church. Um, because as we do this, there's some encouragement, there's some warning, uh, and there's a whole lot of hope um, in that. So, um, but also, as we're doing this, I, and I pulled out Kleenex because I know this is going to happen. All right. The other thing that's going to be different is because we've been seeing this happen, and it's not just us, uh, it's, it's other people, it's not just me, but other people, um, there's two verses that God has put on the hearts of people within the congregation. Uh, and so when it comes time to share those verses, I'm going to actually have them come up uh, and share that verse and what it is that the Lord put on their heart. Because again, I, this is not just me as a pastor trying to come and say, well, I've gone up to the mountaintop and this is what I received on these stone tablets. And so therefore, this is what we're, uh, This is really what we're seeing happen within the church and what you as a church are hearing from the Lord also. Uh, And and so I want to be able to do that uh, as well. So um, that's coming up. That's why this is here. Uh, But the first one is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. We've gone through this passage uh, a couple of times. Uh, It seems to be a theme that God has us on. It says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, what that's talking about is chapter 11. And so, if you go back into chapter 11 later today and read through that, it's kind of the heroes of the faith, the Hall of Fame. It's talking about Abraham and Sarah and the way that they trusted God. And I bring up Sarah specifically because in the moment she laughed at God when she was told that she was going to have a baby. And yet she ended up trusting and she's listed in the heroes of faith. And so even as we're talking about this, if you feel like what God's calling you to do is too much or the idea, you kind of scoff at it a little bit, you're in the company of Sarah who ended up with her name in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, So anyways, it's saying, since we have this large cloud of witnesses who have trusted the Lord, let the Lord do the work in their lives and saw the fruit of that, it says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. And so this is talking about our life as Christians, how, how it's kind of a, a race that we're running, and the finish line is, is to be with Christ. And it's saying, let's run it with endurance. And I think a lot of times, as Christians, we live our Christian life uh, as sprinters, And we're like, everything's going great. Let's go. And we just sprint until we trip and fall. And then we're like, oh, I failed. Until we kind of work up the courage. Like, sprint and go again until we trip and fall. And we can, and it's a cycle that we go through over and over and over again. What this passage is saying is, let's run this race with endurance. And there's going to be hiccups within that race. We might trip sometimes. We might get a stitch in our side. We might get really tired, and it feels like we're slowing down. But what it says is to run it with endurance, uh, to continue to go. And so in other words, that race isn't finished, but we're in this continual process, and the Lord has called us to in each one of our lives, but that in doing so, lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Um, There's an example of this that I think is great. Earlier this year, or not this year, because this is February. (laughs) So earlier last year, uh, in June, we went on this backpacking trip um, where it was four days, five nights, and how many miles, 40some miles over the course of that week? And, and our packs were anywhere from, you know like 35 pounds to 50 pounds, as we're like hiking up and down uh, these really cool cliffs and looking over the water and everything like that. But we're on this trip. And uh, we're so excited. It was actually Drake Nemo's uh, birthday trip. And as we're on this trip, um, he's got this backpack that he's carrying, and, and it got kind of heavy for him. And, and so there was one part where I was like, oh, like, let me help you carry it for a little. And I, and I picked it up. And I'm like, what is in this pack? And, and so we finished the rest of the hike. And, and we get down and, and we start opening up his pack and everything that was in it. And, and there was so much stuff. Like, like you, Drake, was there anything in the pack that you ended up not using at all, like that you would totally leave behind again? What? A lot of the stuff, right? And and so we ended up, what we ended up doing was, um, because there was five other people on this trip, and so we each took some of this extra stuff that he had, and there was like this metal survival kit, and this giant book, and like so many other things that weren't necessary for, they're great things to have, but they weren't necessary for that trip. And so in that, what it's saying is as we, we go through our life, we're going through this race with endurance. We're supposed to cast off every hindrance and sin. And so there were some things that were in his pack that just didn't belong there. Didn't belong there at all. And, and that kind of represents the sin in our life. And, and those things just need to go because they're going to weigh us down, we're going to get exhausted as we're trying to carry it, we're constantly dealing with it, and then if it gets messy, then the people that we're going through life with actually end up having to kind of carry and share some of that weight as our sin might affect them in our life as well. And so we're called to cast off those sins, but also it says hindrance and sin doesn't just say sin, but hindrance and sin. So in other words, there, there are things that he brought, like binoculars, that could have been really cool and, and nice to have, but they weren't necessary for the trip. And if you have too many of those things added in, that weight adds up and, and really kind of slows us down as well. And So what this passage is saying is that we're, we're called to lay aside the stuff that easily ensnares us, that slows us down in our life as we pursue Jesus. That's going to be obviously sin. We need to cast the sin out and, and to repent of that and, and to work towards uh, representing Jesus in those areas. But there's also going to be some things in our life that aren't necessarily sin but aren't necessarily helpful as well uh, and so I bring up this verse that as you're examining your life and praying for the Holy Spirit to, to reveal things to you there might be things that he brings up it could be um, television habits and how much shh, you don't want me to say that <laughs> that could be television habits right and and the way that our time is spent in that could be a hindrance. Not necessarily sin, but a hindrance to what God is calling us to do. It could be the way that we spend our money. It could be the way that we spend our time. It could be the way that we treat our bodies. could be any number of things. Uh, and Just to be open to any hindrance and any sin that so eagerly ensnares us. And the reason for this is, the longer that we allow those things to be in our life, the longer that we, we carry those things in our pack, uh, the more tired we get, the, the more weary we get. And then life itself throws us curveballs. So, like, we're on this hike, we have these packs, Drake has his pack that's heavier than, than any other pack, um, and, and he's half our size and carrying the heaviest pack. And if we were just, like, on a sidewalk that would be more difficult for him, because it's heavier than it needs to be. But we're not just on a sidewalk, and our life in this world isn't just smooth sailing all the time. There's ups and downs. There's difficulties that we face, There's challenges to overcome. And as that happens, that can tire us out, but so much more if we're carrying things that we're not, we don't need to carry, that we're not supposed to carry. We're not even supposed to have this weariness as we follow Jesus. And yet so often as Christians, it can feel that way. We feel tired. We feel overwhelmed as we follow Christ. And and with that, I'd like to invite Christian to come up to share the verse um, that was put on his heart. If you have your Bibles, we'll turn the screen uh, to Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 and 29.
1: So the verse that was put on my heart uh, last night at Faith Rx, actually, is Matthew 28, uh, or 11, 28 through 30. It says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am humble and gentle in spirit. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy, and my yoke is light. And the context for that verse, as we discussed it last night at Faith Rx, was um, we talked about godly character traits, character traits that we would find in the people that we admire most. Um, And so can some of you guys that were there last night help me out with some of those? Just throw them out. Um, Encouragement, focus, genuine, vulnerable, respectful, trustworthy, And so all of these character traits is what we were talking about last night. And then the question was, who do you know that you've ever met in your life that embodies every single one of those to the full extreme? Obviously, we don't know anybody personally that we've ever met, right? And yet, Jesus does. And so the question became, if we are weary and we are heavy laden, why wouldn't we go to him? He's the one that has all of these character traits. He's totally trustworthy. He's the best encourager. He's humble. He's vulnerable. He's everything that we need. And so I think we've all seen this verse, read this verse, maybe even have this verse memorized. But in the context of do this not because you just can't, that's true, but also do this because he can and he wants to.
0: thank you and so that concept of the Christian life feeling heavy Jesus died so that wouldn't be the case and that idea of coming to him all who are heavy and, and weary and and putting it on him um, really appreciated the Lord showing you that verse and and you sharing the heart with that this morning and what I really love about that is it is a free offer to us. A free offer for us to come as we're weary, as we're heavy laden, and to give that over to Christ and then to pick up His yoke, which is easy and light. doesn't mean that everything is smooth sailing. It just means that Walking with Him, yoked with Him, it's His strength. It's His power at work in our life. Ephesians chapter one says that there's the very same power that was at work when Jesus was raised and from the grave is what's at work within us. That's what makes it easy and light. Doesn't mean that, that what we're facing in life isn't hard, but walking through it with Jesus is what gives us a supernatural grace, power and peace regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, as we trust him, as we actually lift, let him take that burden, um, and as we follow him. So this is that free offer. This is that, all right, I'll take this for you, that Jesus is offering. The point, though, is that we still have a choice. We can either submit to that and say, yes, Lord, take this. I'm tired of doing my own strength. I'm tired of doing it within my own ability. I trust you. We We can freely choose to do that when we're weary and to trust Christ. Or we can say, no, my way. I don't trust you. I need to see this happen and this happen and this happen. If these things don't happen, then you're not at work and you don't love me. And we hold on to those things. However, because of God's love, he will not let us hide or run from the things that he needs to work on in order to heal us and bring us closer to being like Christ. You think of the story of Jonah, right? And here's Jonah, and he's told by God to head to Nineveh. And so he's like, I don't want to go to Nineveh because they hate Israelites and they do bad things to Israelites and I don't want them to repent because if they repent, then they're not going to be destroyed. I'd rather see them destroyed. So I'm going to get on a boat and head in the opposite direction from where Nineveh was. It was like, um, instead of if God says, let's go to Beloit, we hop on a bus and head to Madison. And so what happens instead, though, is is God doesn't let Jonah do that. But through a series of events, and I'm sure a very unpleasant time in the belly of a large fish, Jonah ends up at Nineveh anyways because of what God wants to work on within Jonah's heart. Now again, not pleasant, but the Bible actually tells us that this is the case in Hebrews chapter 12. I will be reading verses 3 through 12. And so this is part of the warning. So the initial encouragement is, God's working on stuff within our lives. We see him stirring it up within the church, within this city. There is this free offer of taking our burdens off and trusting him to work in this and to work in the things that he's revealing you to. If you don't, here then is the warning. Verse, 13, or verse 3. Um, right? Yeah. So... Consider him, or Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. I mean, that's a temptation at times as we face difficulties in our life and circumstances in our life that seem impossible or never-ending. We're called to consider Jesus, who endured such hostility. He was spit on, he was whipped, Crown of thorns, headed to the cross, endured all these things for us as an encouragement not to grow weary and give up verse four in struggling against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood which is what jesus did in our place you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons or as daughters do not take the lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him I just want to take a second here because the word discipline, a lot of times we, we get hung up on that sense of, of what discipline is because possibly of the way that we were raised, the way that our parents disciplined us. Uh, a lot of times for me, like when somebody says, like disciplining a child, I can envision this little wooden spoon that my mom had that had this like smiley face painted on it. And it was the smiley face that was up against my backside. Like, like that's what's like in my mind. And so oftentimes we think of discipline as punishment. Right? And there can be punishment involved. But what I want, to, want you to see in this more is discipling. Because what the Lord is doing through this discipline is, is a correction and a discipling for change and then for growth. So he says, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you're approved for, by him. For the Lord disciplines and disciples the one he loves and punishes every son that he receives. So endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons or as children. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So, so in other words... God will not let you settle in your sins and settle in your hindrances because he loves you. Even though it's difficult, even though it might be painful to confront them, to get rid of idols or to step out and doing something that he's been calling you to do, even though it's difficult, he will not let you hide from that because he loves you so much. Just the way our parents um, would not let us remain in rebellion as, as we were growing up. He does that because he loves us. I, I think of you know, even growing up as, as a kid, and I, I've shared this story before when I was like 17 or something like that, and, and me and a friend told my parents, and so this was before like Life 360 and, and Find My Phone and all these things. So kids, you can't get away with this now. Um, but we told my parents that we were going to go to Appleton. So we are in Marshfield, which is the center of the state. We told my parents we were going to Appleton to go shopping. And so that was supposed to be like two and a half hours east of where we were. Uh, and instead, we went down to Mauston, which is about two and a half hours south, uh, to go see some girls and, and hang out with girls. Um, so that happened, and on the way back, and we would have been home in time, our, our car broke down and a hose burst, and we had to end up calling our dads and being like, we're actually two hours south, and then we came up with this whole story, and, and then we were grounded for like a month, and our keys were taken, and our licenses, we couldn't drive, and I remember in that moment being like, this is just the most ridiculous thing ever. Now as a parent and as an adult, I was like, I got off kind of (laughs) easy, you know, for, for what I did in that circumstance. Again, that discipline is out of love. That discipline is out of correction and growth. And that's why he does that. So endure the things that we go through, endure suffering. It means even endure the difficulties of life as discipline or as discipling. In other words, Endure things that might not necessarily even be a result of your own actions. Somebody else could have done something that causes a problem in your life. Something might happen in society that causes a problem within your life. And the encouragement here is to endure those difficulties as discipline or as discipling because God's going to use it as an opportunity for us to grow because he's dealing with us as children. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? We talked about the illegitimate children. Uh, verse 9 Furthermore, we had human fathers that disciplined us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit. And, and I love this part so that we can share his holiness. It's not just so that we learn from our mistakes. It's not just so that we can be stronger men and women. He does this so we share His holiness. Going through this process, sometimes willingly, Lord, this is the burden I have to give you. This is the sin that I have to give you. This is what I have to cast off. God blesses that and he uses it to grow us. If we hold on to those things and the Lord comes over and starts stirring things up and kicking things around, which it seems like he's doing within our community as a church and within this city, I would say as well, he's doing that out of love so that we can share in this holiness. Verse 11, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Bible tells us it's not going to be pleasant. And a lot of times in the Christian life, we're just looking for the easy path that feels like all sunshine and roses. In fact, many people within our, our world today make most of their choices based on what makes me feel happy, what feels light, what doesn't feel like conflict or a problem. And what Scripture actually tells us is that because of God's love for us, difficult circumstances, sometimes as consequences, of our own choices will not be enjoyable but painful Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so this is what he will use for us to share in his holiness and to yield the fruit of righteousness in our lives. And so this would be the warning then in this passage or in this morning is we really feel like God's stirring things up. We pray as elders, we pray as a church, that the Holy Spirit would make it clear to you what He is stirring up in your life. What are the things that you're supposed to get rid of? What are the things that you're supposed to be doing? Our prayer is then that you have that attitude of going to Jesus, all who are weary, all who are thirsty, and handing those things over to Him and willingly submit to that. If you don't, He will pursue you the way he pursued Jonah, and things can get difficult and painful, but he promises that he will use it. Now as your pastor, as an elder within this church, I would prefer that you pick the first way, and that it's done with humbleness and with joy. And if you don't pick the first way, I am glad that God does the second way, even though it's painful for you because of what it will result in. And, and we want to be a church that willingly goes through all of those things. Because we all have areas, I have areas in my life that I'm really easy to be like, all right, God, deal with this. Oh, but, but trusting in finances? And it can be painful at times for me to go through life and wrestle through that trusting in finances at times. Again, he uses that to grow. And the choice is up to us in the way that we submit because there are only two ways of responding. Uh, We'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 for this. Two ways of responding, this discipline and discipling uh, for growth. Again, it can be hard because it deals with rooted sins. It deals with unhealed traumas in our life. Uh, deals with unrevealed idols, um, and it can be unfair or feel unfair that he's messing with us. But again, it's all out of love. Two ways to respond. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, if we go through this discipline process and it feels painful, uh, we see what happens. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 8. Paul says, even if I grieved you with my letter, and so he's writing to the Second Corinthians, kind of talking about his first letter in the way that he was pointing out. It was like a discipline within that. So he's saying, even if you were grieved with this first letter, I don't regret it. Why? Because of what we just talked about. This pain, this discipline that results in God's love and growth. Um. Even if I did regret it, since I saw the letter grieved you, it was only for a little while. Uh, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved. And so again, as an elder, as a pastor, I don't rejoice because you're going through a painful time. But I rejoice because I know God's going to use it. I now rejoice because you were grieved because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. Again, this is that discipline process. You grieve as God wills. It's his intention at times for you to grieve because it's a painful process of something he's calling you to get let go of. And if you resist that, that grieving happens. Verse 10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. In other words, conviction from the Holy Spirit. This needs to change. And so as we face sin or issues within our life and the Holy Spirit hits us, we're like, oh, this shouldn't be there. Let me get rid of it. That's conviction that leads to growth. That is that godly grief that produces a repentance. But worldly grief produces death. So in other words, if we have that same sense of like, oh, this shouldn't be in my life, oh, what a failure. I can't believe how foolish I am. I can't believe how stupid. How could I do this? How could I ruin? It's all leading to death and an identity of lies. And so those two responses, godly grief produces repentance, worldly grief produces death. And we've been seeing this in the past couple of weeks as we're looking at how God has been stirring things up. For some people, it's a response of, oh, God's been calling me to change this. I'm going to do it. And, and to walk forward in grace. And, and we've seen other circumstances where, oh, God's calling me to do this. Man, I just have failed. And this spiral downward happens until God's grace interrupts that spiral and, and there's hope interjected. But it can be this pattern that goes over and over and over again if this God, or this worldly grief um, over worldly things um, is left to sit there. It leads to death. And, and that ends up oftentimes uh, in blowing up other things around us, blowing up other aspects of our life, quitting, you know, it's rage-quitting jobs, it's rage-quitting circumstances, it's pushing people away, it's like... That all leads to death, and that's all coming out of responding from a a worldly perspective instead of out of a godly perspective that leads to repentance uh, and then that growth. So it says then, uh, again, godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Worldly grief uh, produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice in every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. So so in other words, the the godly grief that leads to repentance also then leads to this Holy Spirit-inspired trusting in the work of Christ and not my own strength desire for that change and willing effort a zeal to go forward instead of staying stuck where you are and so that's our prayer as God is stirring things up as if you're convicted to to get rid of things or to add things in your life that God's been calling you to do for some time that it results in this zeal and this intentional effort to do these things with him and the alternate to that is holding on to it trying to tamp it back down or trying to respond to it in a worldly way, which will lead to death and more conflict in your life because the Lord will not let you sit there and he will not let you fix it in a worldly way. The more you try to fix it in a worldly way, the more it's going to feel like it's fallen off the rails. That's what this passage uh, is talking about. So again, through this repentance, we're laying aside every hindrance and choosing to walk forward. And this is where the hope comes in again. Cast every weight on Christ. Cast every hindrance aside. This is all the free offer given to us in grace by Christ through his blood on the cross, which leads us to the next verse um, that actually my wife Angie had received uh, earlier uh, from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. So I'd like to invite her up to share that and then what the Lord put on her heart for that.
2: So Isaiah 43:18 through 19, say, it says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And, um, The Lord's been speaking that to me in all different ways and revealing it in different ways. But this morning in worship, it was really cool. I kept getting this picture of like a seed under the ground that had sprouted and had been like pushing through the dirt up towards the surface. And now it was like at the crust of the earth and it felt hard. It felt like a barrier. And I feel like God has been doing things in each of our lives and they look different for each of us. But like a lot of us have been kind of pushing through and pushing through and um, it feels like I don't know where this is going or maybe we just can't see the end of it or um, it feels really difficult but there's like this crust of the earth that a seed has to, the sprout has to push through to get up into the sunlight, into the air and what makes that happen is the warmth of the sun. And um, what I felt like the Lord was really speaking to me is that instead of focusing on ourselves, on what we've done, on the process, on what we feel, on what we want to have versus what we don't have, focusing and believing God's love for us, his compassion for us, The, the fact is, the truth is, we know we are victorious right now not because of what we've done, not because of what we experienced, not because of what we did an hour ago, but because we have the victory in Christ. It's done. It's finished. It doesn't matter what we feel, and it's hard because we live in this culture that idolizes everything that we feel. It idolizes our happiness, and everywhere we're constantly being told, You're supposed to be happy. That's what matters. You should be happy. And if you're not, if you don't feel happy, then something's wrong. And so then we start drawing conclusions about um, it's my fault or it's that person's fault or God doesn't really care about me. And I feel like God is asking us to push through that crust with, and I know I kind of shared this a couple weeks ago, but with this rejoicing and with this um, declaring of the truth. When we rejoice, no matter what we think or what we feel, we are declaring the truth. We are telling the enemy, no, I won't be in agreement with you. I don't care if everything in my body is telling me that I'm a failure or that I um, need to just, I don't have it. We have it. We have it in Christ. He's given it to us. He's given us everything. He raised from the dead, and he calls us to do that same thing, and every time that we rejoice instead of um, just, you know, agreeing with what the enemy is speaking to us, what our bodies are speaking to us, what our minds are speaking to us, we are using that same power that raised Christ from the dead, and we are pushing through that crust into the light. And this is what He has for us. This is the victory. It's the truth. Every time that we rejoice instead of um, agreeing with whatever things that the enemy has tried to bear down on us, what are just our lives, our regular, you know, like um, Paul says in Romans 7 it's this bodies of death, you know, like our bodies want to like, they're like the chickens with the head cut off that are still like, you know, twitching. And the truth is, we're alive in him, we've got the victory. We say no to the enemy. We say yes to the truth in Christ every time. So forget whatever you did an hour ago. Forget your identity that you had, um, that you've, you know, this is just who you were and what you, how you think of yourself. Forget that. That's not you. Because if you're in Christ, that's all changed. That's done. Agree with him in that. Do it now, whether you see it or not. Do the things, too, you know, like Josh was saying, like, do the things. But... Speak it out. Believe it. Because this is the truth, whether you're doing them yet or not. Because Christ already has done it.
0: Thank you. So in addition to what she was saying with this verse, forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. A lot of these things that are getting stirred up will feel anchored to things that either you've done in the past or what other people have done to you in the past. And it might be easy to try and hold on to those things then, saying, well, I either deserve this, or they did this, and I can't move forward until that's fixed. And what this is saying is you're able to move forward in what God's doing in your life, because Christ died for that to happen. And it's not anchored to anything that you have done or anything anybody else has done to you in the past. That you can go forward, that a new thing is springing up if it's a habit that you feel stuck in, a sin that you feel stuck in, the truth is those chains have been broken by Jesus Christ at the cross. Forget the former things. He's doing a new thing. And you can move forward from this moment in that new thing. Do you mess up again, move forward. It's that race with endurance. It's not this sprint that we trip and fall and we feel like we failed and, oh, we're done. I can't run anymore. It's a race with endurance where we pick ourselves back up and we continue to run with Christ, with Him carrying the burden for us. God, I truly believe, uh, is calling us as a church to go through this process. And I believe that as we go through this process, we're gonna find that people in your life that aren't a part of this church um, are either gonna recognize that and wonder what's happening, or, because things are getting stirred up in your life, things are going to get stirred up in, in their life as well. Um, I truly believe it's what happened with Faith Rx. And, and Christian and I felt stirred up to, to start a Faith Rx, to, to bring it to that gym, which then resulted in this last night. And really feel that as we're faithful to do those things, we're going to find that happening in the lives around us, even people that we might be at conflict with. Uh, and so we're, we're calling us to be attention. Um, I'm going to be praying here in a minute uh, for the Holy Spirit to be revealing to each one of us what those things are. But also, in tandem with this, and I feel much more connected now, and one of the reasons why I felt like this message was for today, uh, is we've been talking about something that Christian and I have felt called to do this coming Lent, which uh, starts on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, which is 40 days, which is traditionally like 40 days of like no meat. That's why the McFish comes back out, you know, and everybody's on fish fries and all that stuff. Um, But but the whole point of, of Lent is this preparation for Easter, this preparation for what Christ has done for us. Uh, And so what him and I have been personally felt called to do um, over these 40 days um, is to look at uh, three different areas in our life. Uh, The first one uh, is spiritual. Uh, And so in the spiritual aspect of your life, what we're asking ourselves is, uh, what has God been calling us to work on? What is he calling us to get rid of? What, what sins that we're kind of allowing to, to hang on? What, what, what are we supposed to get rid of? But then also, what are the things that we're supposed to press in and add to in our lives? Um, whether that be uh, a different way of praying. or what it, For each one of us, it's going to be something different. Then on our physical aspect of life, what are some things uh, that God has been calling me to get rid of in my life, um, whether that is, is different food or, or bad things that I turn to a lot of times perhaps for comfort. Like, like what physically do I look for for comfort when I'm stressed out instead of going to Jesus? Cutting those things out, and then what are the things that he's calling me to add? And there's a whole bunch of different things. It might just simply be um, not eating out as much. Right? And, and, and so there's a, uh, what am I trying to say? There is a concept to this um, that we're kind of basing it on where uh, Jesus is talking about casting out a, a spirit, an evil spirit from somebody. He says, unless, you know, if you cast that out and, and you clean up the room. Uh, unless you add in something good, that other thing can come back and actually be worse than what it was. And, and he's talking specifically about spirits, but we're looking at that concept as we're doing this. So, so in, other, in, for other, in other words, uh, for me, one of the things is fast food um, is a comfort to me and, and something I kind of lean on when I'm stressed out or I feel like I don't have time or, or anything like that. And so I feel like I'm supposed to get rid of fast food. For, for 40 days, but I need to then replace it with whole food. So in other words, like it's not two separate things. It's really one thing the Lord's calling me to do, but he's calling me to get rid of something and then to replace it and, and to replace it with something that's healthy. And, and so that's what this concept is. We're not actually be feeling called to do six different things, but rather three different things. We're just calling to get rid of something and to replace it with something. Okay? So um, it could be things like adding in water or vegetable or exercise, um, those types of things. Then, so there's spiritual, physical. The third thing that we felt called to do uh, is mental and emotional. Uh, And so, what are time wasters? Um, in life what are the things that I might turn to like social media uh, in order to find comfort or maybe it's causing depression Uh, entertainment, bad influences Um, a really big thing with mental is negative talk and and saying those things like I'm a failure and I failed instead of this is what Jesus has done this is who I am in Christ And, and so it might be calling to get rid of that self negative talk and replace it with scriptures that you memorize about what God says about you uh, and so those are the three different areas that we're feeling called to uh, get rid of something and to add something in over the next 40 days starting on, on Wednesday. Um, within that, there's going to be some physical challenges, some spiritual challenges, emotional, mental challenges um, that we're going to kind of add into that as the Lord guides us individually. And what we've done uh, is kind of um, submitted what we're doing to you guys over the past three weeks and saying, "Would you join us if you want to? No pressure." Um, and what I'm doing this morning is again saying, "Would you join join us? No pressure." Um, but I think it's a practical outworking of what God's doing in stirring things up, as He reveals to you what are you supposed to get rid of and what are you supposed to replace it with. This might be a way to do that within community and and to be walking with one another. And we might have 50 different things that we're calling to get rid of and 50 different things that we're being called to add to our life. And there might be brothers and sisters that we find really similar things that we can walk through. Um, But I think doing this in preparation for Easter coming up um, is a response to what God has been stirring up. And in doing that... Um, we have the choice. Either willingly saying, I'm tired and I'm weary of carrying these things in my life, I willingly give them up. Or, he's going to stir things up and it might become painful the more and longer that we try and hold on to these things. And I rejoice that he does that even in my life because it means that they're going to be gone at some point. And, And the more that I humbly participate in that, the quicker that might happen. Um... So this coming Wednesday uh, is our equip night for a church. Um, With that, we're not going to necessarily launch the group and say everybody that comes that night is going to be part of that group. Um, But we're going to talk a little bit more about what that might mean, what it might look like. Um, I also would ask for you guys to pray about if it's something that you want to join. Again, it's not necessarily a club, but we'd like to have a sense of who's going through this together so that we can encourage one another in that. Uh, The other thing is, uh, this morning's message, um, I think, was really put together um, again by what God has been doing and what people within the church have been hearing. Uh, And so this coming Wednesday, I would be asking that you would be praying about anything God might be speaking to you in this, or revealing to you and maybe there's other verses that are going to confirm this. We don't have time this morning to get into all of those things. I'd like to get into those more on Wednesday uh, being able to share with one another how God is speaking to us in this area, and, and maybe clarify further how we're supposed to go ahead uh, in this. So uh, Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, we thank you for your holy word uh, that there is great encouragement, uh, warning and great hope all in this as you work within our lives. Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for this church, and every person within it, and even those that will be caught up uh, in the stirring up that you're doing. Uh, I pray for clear understanding of the things that you're calling us to address within our lives. I pray for crystal clear recognition of the things that we're supposed to get rid of. And along with that, I pray for a gentle humility to be able to let go of those things and to trust you with them and to trust you to replace them. Lord, I also pray that if we hold on to them, that in your love, you will discipline us. And even though it's painful, we rejoice because that discipline allows us to share in your holiness And in your righteousness. Guide us as a church, Lord. And we look forward to more testimonies like the one from last night. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.